Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Renee and... Ryan. It's good hey, to be here. Ryan. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. If you if you don't know, um, Ryan, it's Ryan's first time co-hosting um, and being on The Breakfast Show. Um on, on, on the breakfast show today. So we're super excited to have him. Thanks, Ryan, for coming along. Yeah, it's really good to be here. I'm very excited to work with you, Renee. Oh, thanks, Ryan. I know Ryan from summer camps, actually. So that's a time in like the end and the beginning of the year where we get to, I guess, be staff and serve and, and help out with kids, just have a good time and get to know Jesus more. But um, Ryan, what are you grateful for this morning? I'm grateful for family. Yesterday, uh, as I was coming home from summer camps, uh-huh. my car broke down on the side of the road and I had to call up my dad and, and he came and he picked me up. And that was I was very grateful for that because I was stranded in the middle of nowhere. Oh, oh dear. But um, yeah, so grateful that family like come through in, in the time that you needed it most. Um, your, your dad was there for you. Um, I would say I'm grateful for, I'm going to go... Similar, but different. So I'm really grateful for my friends, actually. So I'm very grateful for family, but just to be a little bit different to yours, I think I'd say I'm grateful for my friends. Um, I needed a place to stay for a few weeks and I messaged a friend, hey, can I, do you mind if I stay with you? Um, I really need a place. Uh, I don't have anywhere else. And she's like, yes, come over, stay with me as long as you need, as long as you want. Um, I have a place for you. And I was, I was so grateful because, you know, I'm so grateful that there are people there to, to be there when you need, you know, oh, when, that's when you need help. So yeah, that's what we're grateful for. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So let's get into, I think we've gone through our quiz. We have now some positive news, Ryan. What do you have for us today? I'm excited. Yes, well, I was researching some positive news and I have to say, I think I found the jackpot. Okay. There is a positive news story that I think is fantastic. And so a childcare center has just been built at an aged care home in Meribin. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's near Mildura in the northwest Victoria. And it's part of a new program designed to improve the welfare of aged care residents. So this it's a daycare with a aged yes, care? Yes, they're, they're, it's part... It's, next to each other and they often share programs it's fantastic oh, wow. yeah they offer new experiences to the children and benefit the wider community uh-huh. yeah so what happened was a music program so they were trying to run a music program with an aged care facility and, and trying to facilitate that together and this really paved the way for the child care center being there so in 2008 the aged care home trialed a music program where parents and their preschoolers visited and made music with the elderly residents. Mm-hmm. And that sort of evolved into this um, program where they put the childcare right next to it. And so this is what um, this is what uh, Mr. Midley, Midgley, sorry, who is uh, the CEO of the aged care had to say, we saw residents who had profound dementia, who couldn't mm-hmm. speak anymore, was, who were singing. And we had residents who were in chairs and fixed postures tapping their fingers or feet to the beat of the music. And that was just from having the kids and their parents come in for a music uh, 
you know, to performance. Share music, yes, performance. absolutely. That's amazing. I love how music is so universal. Like it, it's mm. for young kids, it's for children, but it's also for the elderly. So it's it's just it doesn't matter how old you are, mm. you can enjoy music. And so the music therapist Catherine uh, Thrillfall hoped the trial would be more successful and move into other nearby aged care homes, mm-hmm. but she never dreamt that it would lead to the development of a childcare center <laughs> at the Chaffee Aged Care. And so this is what she said about that. The children bring an energy to the room and those residents leave feeling energized and connected. And that is a lift to your day when you live in a resident care, she said. Mm. Wow. I I have to agree. What did she say? It, what was the last part you said? Oh, um, she said, and it was a lift to your day when you live in a resident care, that they feel energized and oh. connected. I, I uh, Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing work that they're doing there, um, incorporating, you know, childcare and, um, just aged care homes yeah, together. It- just a lot of, that's, that's such a wholesome community. I love the intergenerational mm. interaction that's happening there. Yeah, and I thought it was fantastic. I've been to aged care homes myself and Mm -hmm. sung to them, and I've just seen the brightness that that brought to their lives. And so, yeah, so that was a really good story. I have another one for you. Ooh, okay. Yes, this one has to do with some pygmy possums, those cute little possums that we so often know and love. (laughs) So, when a primary school student in the New South Wales Snowy Mountains heard about the devastation caused by the 2019-2020 bushfire season... Um, to those pygmy possums, they put their chef hats on and quickly started cooking up a storm to help. See, these tiny possums live in just three isolated spots in the subalpine and alpine regions of Victoria and New South Wales. Mm. And so, basically, all that vegetation surrounding those regions were destroyed by the fires, as we know. Wow. So, the pygmy possums, they primarily feed on insects, seeds, and bogon moths and fruit from the mountain plum pine. Wow. which was mostly wiped out during the fires. So, mm. you know what these kids did? Mm. What did they do? They started baking biscuits. They called them the Bogon Biscuits. And so, the Berrydale... Yeah, I know. The Berrydale Public School has got a program where these kids are making up these biscuits. You want to hear what's in them? <laughs> what's in them? Oh, a whole bunch of stuff. They've got mealworms, oils, minerals, um, and they... Don't taste good for they human consumption. They don't sound... Um, no, not something I would eat. But it sounds like it's something that would be good for these pygmy possums. Yes. Yes. They have all the nutrients of the bogon moth in them. So, it's it's pretty fantastic little program they have there. Wait. So, so because their natural food has been, you know, their habitat has been damaged through bo- bushfires, these mm. kids have decided to bake these... Are they cookies? Are they... Yeah, they're just like the little biscuits. And biscuits. They, 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 so, these kids, as young as five years old, wow. have been partis- partis- participating. There we go. Finally <laughs> <Yeah>. got it. <laughs> In mixing and baking of the biscuits with 150 bags then distributed across wow. the feeding stations in Kosciuszko National Park. I'm glad. And I'm glad that they researched and figured out, like, what food would benefit them best instead of, like... Because mm. sometimes you go to, like, a national parks and, like, people are just feeding them bread and <laughs> there's a lot of controversy. They're like, bread's not good for them but this sounds like people they've you know really decided to to do something that will benefit the the possums so mm, I'm very yes happy for that you know it was really good and josie one of the students there said i really liked it because it was very interesting and fun and we Aww. got to work as a team which i really liked yeah so along with baking the biscuits they learned about the pygmy possums yeah. and 
I felt like it was a really good good story about you know yeah. saving the environment after those devastating bushfires we had in 2019 to 2000 and early 2020. Yeah, and that's right. And God really calls us to take care of the environment. And so during that time where they were going through a hard time, you know, our poor animals, our native Australian animals, I'm glad that, you know, we, you know, the children, the younger generation, generation stood up and did mm. something about it. And I have another, on that same vein, I have another wildlife story. Mm-hmm. This is across the pond from America. So countless human lives have been saved in the last 40 years Ooh. since pollution regulations were signed into US law. But tackling dirty air has been saving the birds. A large new scale study conducted by the scientists at Cornell University and the University of Oregon found that improved air quality under the federal program to reduce ozone pollution may have averted the loss of 1.5 billion birds during the, la- the, the past four decades. And that's nearly 20% of the bird life in the United States today. And that's a good thing to hear. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. Um, especially, so, so basically, um, we see through this study that we've been, we've been doing quite well. We've been saving our animals. Yay. I, I love that. That's always good news that we're, we're taking care of, you know, the earth and the animals within it. And this is something that God has given to us, mm. a, a purpose he's given to us um, before the fall, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's one of those win-win situations where we, we try to improve our air quality. Yes. And in turn, when we look after ourselves a little bit better, we often find that the environment around us becomes better as well. Yeah, it's a it's the whole cycle um, that works out. Thank you so much for those that positive news. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. This is... You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, we're going to get into more news. Um, In news today, a man has been charged after allegedly jumping off a bulk carrier in Albany, where he's been breaching coronavirus coronavirus quarantine. So a 37-year-old man who sparked a COVID-19 alert in Western Australia, um, he allegedly jumped off this, this ship. On the state's coast, and he's been arrested in local backpack in a local backpackers hostel and charged with breaching quarantine orders. So, as you know, Ryan, there's a lot of mm. just a lot of um, restrictions, and there's a lot of things that you need to do before you enter the borders. And so, we need to make sure that we're following rules and regulations. Unfortunately, this man did not. So, the Western Australian police issued an alert out about 6:30 p.m. on Saturday, asking for the public's help to find a crew member. Um, a a man who has not been seen for 12 hours. So they said that the man, he jumped off this boat um, and he swam to shore. He made his way to a local hostel where he was found around 7 p.m. on Saturday. So the man was given a health risk assessment, a rapid test for COVID-19, which thankfully returned negative. Um, however, the Premier, Premier uh, Mark McGowan, I hope I'm saying that right, he said this was an unusual case, considering thousands of ships have entered Western Australia during the COVID-19 pandemic without similar breaches. So it, it's not something that anyone would have predicted. Um, it's something that's hard to stop, but luckily they were able to deal with that case. Yeah, he must have been pretty <laughs> desperate to jump ship and, <laughs> and swim to shore. But uh, yeah. yeah, luckily yeah. they found him. Luckily, yeah. Yes, exactly. And luckily, um, he was negative for, for, for COVID. So, you know, um, you know, we do want to keep our community safe in, in everything. 
Um, not only that, in more news, I don't know if you've heard, but in the Spanish snow storm in Philomena kills four people, unfortunately, traps oh, the thousands terrible. in cars and airports. So a persistent blizzard has blanketed large parts of Spain with a 50 year record level of snow. And so, like I mentioned, wow. it's killed at least four people. It's left thousands of people who have been trapped in cars for hours, train stations and airports. So this storm is called Storm Philomena. She's, it's caused travel, travel chaos across the whole country of Spain um, with national troops having to be mobilized to rescue trapped motorists. Um, rescue services have reached 1,500 people and saved them. Thank, thank goodness for that. Um, uh, but people are still trapped in cars and there are still others to, to, to get. Um, you know, you're in these, even in busy streets, the, the, because cars are not working, obviously people have been skiing down to travel. I guess the new way to travel is through skiing. Yeah. Just, just ski down to the grocery <laughs> yeah. store if you need something. Or, exactly. Or to school. It's all school. I mean, easy to get there, hard to get back, I guess, with all the groceries. Um, uh, there's some, there's some quite tragic stories. Actually here, it says a man and a woman who are traveling in car drowned after a river burst. It's banks near the city of, uh, Mal- Mal- Malaga in oh, Southern Spain and a homeless person, f- homeless person froze to death in the Eastern city. Um, so then their minister has, of, has encouraged the people to avoid, um, all travel unless it is essential. And uh, this state meteorological agency said that this is the heaviest snowfall in Madrid since 1971. So, wow. I mean, um, definitely praying for, you know, people in Spain experiencing this. There is, you know, hearing anything about natural disasters is pretty rough. Um, and so, you know, trying to help in any way we can. Um, in more news, a family fears for a man called Ra- Rasco Dugella, who has disappeared from hospital. So a woman, her husband, this man, he um, is a 70-year-old man with dementia, went missing from a Melbourne hospital on Friday. And okay. I've been following this up. He has not been found yet. Ooh. His stepdaughter said that she heard her mother, Helen, uh, who's 79 years old, crying out in her sleep for him when he went missing. She said, I do everything for him. We're always together. And she broke down and begged for anyone who thinks they might have seen him to call the police. Um, she's very worried and they really hope he, he gets back. They have checked the usual places where he goes, um, but they have not found him. Um, so he, he went into the hospital for some medical problems and he's been missing sometime on Friday between 2 p.m. and 2.30. So they've been looking for him. And so if you're in Melbourne, if you've seen him and definitely check out this story. Um, so yeah, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, more news. The UK administers 2 million COVID-19 vaccines um, with the aim of 14 million by February. So in Britain, I don't know if you know, but Britain has now given around 2 million people a COVID-19 vaccination. So Health Secretary Matt Hancock says that ahead of a ramp up in the rollout of, they're ahead of, you know, rolling out these vac- vaccines. Um, he says that over the last week, we've vaccinated more people than in the entirety of December. So we're accelerating the rollout. Um, 
So when he, when they asked how many people have uh, received the vaccination, he said about 2 million, um, but they're going to publish the exact figures to, um, soon. So Britain is aiming to vaccinate around 14 million people by the middle of February, uh, comprising of people over 70 years old, um, the clinically, clinically vulnerable or the people with pre-existing conditions and health and social care workers. So the people who need it most, mm. that's, that's the priority um, there. Um, so they say about 200,000 people were currently being vaccinated every day, putting Britain on course to meeting the target and offering an opportunity to start easing restrictions when in spring so i guess in the uk they're really you know wanting they're moving quite fast in mm. this in this regard and it'd be interesting to to see the result of that exactly yeah. i yeah i definitely for i'm definitely following out what's what was happening there so especially because they have the highly transmissible new variant of the virus surging across britain um the uk prime minister boris johnson has imposed a third national lockdown on england um, its most popular popular region to try and stem the pandemic before the most vulnerable are immunized mm, and we're very blessed in australia not to have anything nearly as bad as that over here at the moment yes we're quite i have to agree with you we're quite lucky in that regard so it's things are you know just from the day-to-day life things you know there are restrictions but you can in some way go about your normal life you know mm, it yeah, is a new normal but you, you can still go forward so um the queen elizabeth and her husband philip both in their 90s have received the vaccination so That's been happening in the news. Um, We're going to continue with our show. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So we have an interview today. Um, I'd just like to introduce um, Mr. Kelvin Langman, or as he prefers to be referred to as Lord Kelvin Langman. Um, he is our, that's a joke, don't worry. Um, Kelvin is our resident weird and wacky Bible facts uh, segment, segmenter. Um, Kelvin, how are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me and uh, be back again. Oh, so good. I, I have a question, Kelvin. Why, sure. why weird and wacky, weird and wacky Bible facts? Well, uh, there's a verse in the Bible called Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. It talks about the secret. there are secret things that belong to God. Mm. And then it says that there are secret things that God reveals to man. So once I come across that verse, like it put got my mind ticking and yes. all the cogs turning and going, well, okay, there's secret things in the Bible that God wants us to discover. Yeah. So that set me on a pathway. And you would read things and go, what does that mean? Why do like when you look at the genealogies in the Bible, if you start with God and go Adam and Eve and work your way all the way through, they're boring, aren't they? They like yeah, there's so, you, you go, why is that there? Mm. However, if you go all the way through and you finish with Jesus, uh-huh. you count them. There are two genealogies, one's on the mother line, one's on the or maternal and one's on the paternal. If you count the paternal line, it actually includes 77 Names, And if seven mm. is the number of God, seven is the fingerprint of God, seven is God's perfection, you can see that 77 shows that God's finger is in the lineage. So even though you read it and go, that's boring, yeah. I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Like that there's that mm. hidden detail in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's really beautiful. When you go through and, and if you read all of the genealogies... Mm. And write down the the interpretation of their name. So we read Adam, 
but the name Adam means man. Mm-hmm. So it actually tells the story of redemption in their names, in their namesakes. Wow. So man was appointed mortal sorrow and talking about Enoch, one shall come, and Noah was um, comfort. Okay. His name is Comforter. Yeah, yeah. So it talks about that even though, even their names just talks about how, like, God will provide a comforter. Yeah, it's a story, isn't it's it? It's a story yeah. in their names. It's. Uh, I mean, that's... We could talk about that, but I've got something we else could. prepared. That's for right. But Cal- there, yes. there are things like that in Scripture. Yeah. That just blow. You read it and go, oh, that's just, I don't know what that's doing there. Yeah. And you keep reading. But if you take note of it, stop and start digging. Get uh-huh. your shovel out and dig deeper. Yeah. There's so much information that's contained in the Bible. Mm. And it's just one shovel full after the next. There's, there's so much level of detail. And to me, it, mm. it can't be a book of myth. It can't be a book of just stories because yeah. there's so much detail built yeah. into it. Well, I know that you have a topic that you can't, you want to go into detail. We want to dig into. So, okay. so please share. Yes. So I was reading through scripture and come across death. Like the number of times death is mentioned in the Bible. And when you go back to reading Jesus' death and his burial, mm-hmm. there's a couple of interesting things. Um, his he, no one expected him to die. No mm. one was prepared for him to die. And it was customary that you would dig out um, a burial chamber for your family to live in that. Oh, sorry. Your your family would have everyone's ancestral bones yeah. placed in that burial chamber. Yeah. So when you died, they prepared your body and placed you there for 12 months and came back later and then to make room because... There wasn't a lot of room in in the Middle East, in some of these cities, and especially in their um, burial areas. Mm -hmm. So they would break up the bones and put them into boxes called ossuaries and then put them into um, little dugout shelves inside the caves or in the burial chambers. So that way, you'll notice... In the Bible, it talks that you you shall sleep with your fathers, mm-hmm. like, and that's a reference oh. to you're lying down next to your yeah. grandfather, great grandfather. So yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. a colloquialism in in the Bible, wow. um, and that's why that's mentioned there. It's a p- bit of a play on words. Yeah, you're not mm, physically sleeping, like yeah. you're. It's a metaphoric, biblical. You're just resting until you get resurrected again. Yeah. Yeah. But it was very important that families were placed together. And when when Jesus died, so Jesus um had Joseph of Arimathea come forward and said and Nicodemus also was part in um getting Jesus body and getting it prepared ready for that Friday afternoon. But Joseph provided the burial chamber. So what was important about that? It had never been used by anyone else. Oh. So as soon as somebody gets buried in that chamber, yeah. it becomes unclean. It becomes defiled. Okay. So not only was Joseph being generous by allowing Jesus to be buried there, he was actually giving up the whole future of yeah. his family. He would have to go and dig a new burial chamber yeah. because it was now somebody else's because it from his point of view it was defiled so it wasn't allowed to be uh for him and his family to go yeah. into and use that yeah mm, so it was a real sacrifice on his on his part. oh massive massive mm. sacrifice oh. 
But when, if you have a look at John chapter 19, and if you want to look there, we can. John chapter 19, verse 39 mm-hmm. through to 42. So John chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 19. Mm-hmm. If we're all there, John chapter 19, and we'll read 39, 40, 41, 42. Cool. Um, so with Who wants him, to share that? I, okay, I'm reading from the NLT version. Yep. Um, with him came Nicodemus, the man who came to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made with myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus's body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a tomb never used before. And so it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover. And since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Mm. Yep, that's interesting. Mm. And in Luke chapter 23, I'm going to read 53, 54, 55, 56. Um, So starting at 52, going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut out in the rock, one which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Mm -hmm. So here we've got one verse. John, it says how it was already... Joseph had already had everything prepared and ready. Yeah. Being a wealthy man, he dug out the burial chamber and he had 35 kilos, so 75 pounds. Like that's a considerable amount. And to consider that you had to have all the linen cloth strips all prepared and ready and they would use hundreds of meters on wrapping someone up because you actually, it it wasn't embalming, but it was a, a process of, putting all of these herbs and spices next to the body and wrapping them tightly against the body. Because if you had somebody else die in the next three months or six months, you would have to enter the burial chamber. So all of these spices were there to absorb and try and counteract some of the terrible smell that was there. So that's one reason why um, they put so much spice and, and herbs in with the process. Some people think it was more of a Egyptian embalming process, but it wasn't really to preserve the body. The Egyptians did it to preserve it. This was just to make it palatable. Like and if you went into the burial chamber while within that twelve months, then you yourself became unclean. So then you mm. had to go to the priests and, and become like you'd have to go through the process and become ceremonially clean again. Yeah. So it was yeah. more practical. It was, it, yeah, yeah, more practical. And if if you imagine like how much bacteria, how much yeah. germs are going to be in the, that area. Yeah. yeah. So it does, um, it's very practical from that point of view, but we don't use that same process. Like no. we bury straight away. Yeah. And that's interesting. You're talking about how you'd be unclean if you entered the tomb after someone had died there. These yep. women now who have gone away to prepare those spices Resting on the Sabbath, they're coming. They're going to come back early Sunday morning. Yep, they're willing to go through that whole process for their love for Jesus. That's a beautiful point. Yes, they'd have to um, go through that whole rigmarole. Yep. Mm. Um, another thing that's interesting, though, um, 
you've got one version that says that he was wrapped and the other version says that the women hadn't yet got to prepare his body. Oh, okay. So some people think, oh, yeah, there's a clash there. But if you're a wealthy man, like you would have everything prepared and ready for just in case. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So he's showing the women hadn't expected. And this is quite a sudden thing um, yes. to have happen. Yeah. No point getting the tomb ready if you didn't have the yep. requirements for the wrapping of the body. That's true. Good yeah. point. Mm. And when Jesus hangs on the cross, he goes... It is finished. But what does God say at the end of creation week? Doesn't he say it is finished? Yes. So what does it mean, it is finished? It sounds like, I'm just going to take a guess. <laughs> yep. um, something about the work being done? It's Yeah, the work is done. It's saying that it's completed. It's not that there's... No more work to do, but it is a stoppage. It's like right. It's like a legal in in a court courtroom. You would say, "I rest my case." I see. There could be more to be said. Yeah. But you're happy with what you've done, so you yeah. rest. So Jesus um, here is saying, "It's finished. I rest." Right. Wow. Mm. So. I want to have another look at something. Psalm chapter sixteen, verse ten, mm-hmm. and we'll finish up on this. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 10. Okay, Psalm 16, verse 10. Yep. I am not there yet. (laughs) Psalm chapter 16. Okay. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Even Mm. though Jesus' body rested in the grave, he completely rested. He was in a state of suspended animation. He did not deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And I'd like, I'd be interested to hear, you've got the New Living Translation. I do. Have you? Yes, yes. NLT? Yep. yep. So go ahead and read what it says there in verse 10. Okay, so verse 10 says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Yeah, so his body, even though he died, his mm. body did not begin the rotting process. Mm. He was completely suspended, completely resting. Mm. His body was doing nothing, mm. you know. Mm. I heard something like uh, in the story of Lazarus, after so many days of being dead, then your body would really start to rot and, and oh, it would yes. become putrid. Yes. But yeah, as you see, Jesus' body, that hadn't happened yet. He hadn't been in the grave long enough. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think like God completely preserves and maintains and he really didn't deserve to die. This no. is the thing. Like he how he took on our responsibility of our burden for us yeah. so that we wouldn't have to. And that's yeah. an amazing thing. I, something I thought I wanted to share with you anyway. Thank you so much for that beautiful closing thought. Um, this We're going to continue on with the show. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Renee and Ryan.